Welcome to the Anthem Church Podcast. Our desire is to transform lives through authentic experiences with God and with people. This message is brought to you from Anthem Church in Fairview, Oregon. We pray you are encouraged, inspired, and strengthened through the teaching and preaching of God's Word. So today, you know, I believe, you know, that God has given us this life to enjoy to its fullest. And I want to get into the Word today. We are in our second week of the messages from the Sermon on the Mount. And I want to continue today looking at the great wisdom and truths that Jesus taught his fellow climbers. And those that didn't want to settle for life in the ordinary, he called them to a higher place. You know, the people that didn't want to just go by the natural or just live life that just gets by. Because I believe he calls us to a higher life and to live above only and not beneath, as the scripture says. He, he calls us to step into the abundant life that is ours to experience. And he challenges us to experience that at its fullness. And so I want you to look at your key Bible verse today in your notes. It's in chapter 5 of Matthew. It's verse 48. And it's a big verse. It's a strong verse. It says, be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, when I think about that, I go, wow. I mean, what are you talking about, Jesus? I know this is written in red, but are you kidding me? Is that actually possible? Can we be perfect the way our heavenly Father? We're talking about God here. We're talking about the creator of the universe, right? But I believe Jesus gave us a, the pathway, beginning with verse 17 of chapter 5, and, and, it, and he concludes with this verse. So that's why I wanted to look at where we're going to end. And then we're going to just back up and, and, and then move to that. It begins with verse 17 where Jesus speaks about something that was confusing to me when I was a new believer. It, it says this, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I think that's a powerful verse. And like I said, when I came to know Jesus, I was taught that the, the law had been done away with and that there was a new plan, a new covenant was in place. The old was gone, the new was better, don't worry about the old, don't, don't you know, and, and, um, and then I read this verse. I mean, that's why it's so good for you to read the scriptures for yourself because then you, you, get a, you, you read and you go, wait a second. I'm not just going to accept what others have told me. I read this verse and I had to stop and ask a few questions. Why did Jesus say this? Why did he say I didn't come to abolish the law or the prophets? I thought there was a new, quest, a new covenant, right? The old one was no longer relevant. But, if, but that's not what Jesus is saying here. And so it, it, he was concerned with how the religious leaders were teaching the laws of God because they were not teaching them in the right way. So th this verse has nothing to do with getting rid of the law, as a lot of people conclude. It's actually about interpreting the, 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 it, the law in a right manner. I asked a, a Jewish rabbinic trained man, Joseph Shulam, uh, who lives in Jerusalem, about this, and he told me that this portion of Scripture is really better understood when you look at it from the Hebrew point of view and perspective rather than the Greek. And it, it's most probable that this text was originally written in Aramaic, which was the language of the time 
that was spoken at the time of Jesus in most common language. And then it was translated into Greek from that, thanks to the conquest of Alexander the Great some years prior. But even in the Aramaic, the, the Hebrew culture and mindset would have been the backdrop for the things that Jesus was saying, not the Greek. So if you look at this verse from a Hebrew point of view or a Hebrew perspective, which in all likelihood, that's what Jesus was teaching from, you would come to understand that it meant something a little bit different. What Jesus is saying here is he's making the point that he didn't come to wrongly interpret the law, you know, reread, abolish, or do away with, but he was saying, I'm not here to wrongly interpret, but to rightly interpret it for us. And that's what Jesus came to do. And, and so what we've come to understand is that the, the world has called the law, what, you know, with these rigid rules and regulations, the, the Hebrew people, when they translated or understood the law, they would, they would have called the law the pathway to life and blessing. That's how it's translated into Hebrew a pathway to life and blessing. So Jesus is essentially saying, I'm not going to wrongly interpret the pathway to life and blessings. I have come to rightly interpret them, or that's what the word fulfill means, to rightly interpret the pathway to life and blessing. So that's why we have to understand the, the scriptures, the, the law, the, 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 the commandments in light of understanding that Jesus saw these things as the pathway to life and blessing as long as they are interpreted in the right way. So is the law good? Of course it's good. 1 Timothy 1.8 says this, we know that the law is good if one uses it properly. That means if it's, if it's interpreted rightly. Okay, so it goes right and just fits with what Jesus was saying in verse 17. It's the same word here in the Greek as was translated fulfill in that verse 17. So the common understanding, again, was that the pathway to life and blessing, or law as we know it, when properly understood and implied in life, brings blessing, brings life, brings the abundant life that Jesus promised. Amen? So we have to understand also about the law is that the commandments really clarify what is acceptable and, and what is unacceptable behavior to God. So knowing uh, what is the right way to behave and what is the wrong way to behave, that's really, um, that's at the, at, the, at the base, that's the fabric of a society. When everyone does what is right in their own eyes, and what is right in the, or what, or what is right in the, in the majority's eyes, that can lead to chaos and confusion and decay of the moral fiber of a community of people or, or group. So, Jesus, in this section of this, of his message here on the Sermon on the Mount, he, he speaks to us from, uh, of, uh, from several of the Ten Commandments, challenging the way that they were being interpreted at the time. By the, by the Pharisees and by the teachers of the religious law. Now, he does not disqualify the com- importance of the commandment, but he takes their level to a holy new level, okay? Not a whole new level. He makes them, he takes them to a holy new level. He says that you may be guilty of murder without ever committing murder. 
or the act of murder. He says that you may be guilty of sexual sin without even committing the actual deed. He says you may, you, you may be the cause of someone else's adultery without ever actually committing adultery. How can that be? Well, most people believe that you are guilty only when you have done the deed. But Jesus says this, and if you read it, and we're not going to take the time, but uh, some of you are pulling it out and read it. He's, he's talking about thoughts. He says, if your thoughts take you down the road of sin, you're as guilty as if you did the deed. And that takes things to a different level. And it challenges us big time in the area of our thoughts. He, he talks about going two miles with someone when you're asked to go one. And what that does is that implies there's a, a willingness and a generosity that is really difficult for any person who is a, a me-first thinker, right? And in our nihilistic or me-first world, that makes us difficult to, to, uh, to uh, embrace and, and do. How do you give someone more than they ask for unless there is something more Something in the heart, a freedom and a generosity that, that really seeks the best of the other person, putting the needs of that person in front of their own needs, okay? So Jesus is saying something very powerful without saying it. So are you following me here? That he is, he is calling us to, to examine what's going on in the heart. Because the truth is, here it is, I put it in your notes, following the law does not mean one is following God, okay? I mean, the Pharisees were good at following the letter of the law, but if you want to only, if you want to follow Jesus to that higher place, to that holy next level, it's all about allowing the Holy Spirit to, to lead you within the context of this pathway to life and blessing. Because the, the, the letter of the law is good, but it only can take you so far. You know, Jesus was speaking to some Pharisees and, and who were, I mean, they were, they were so perfect. They, they, they wanted to, you know, cross every T, dot every I. And Jesus spoke to them in John 5, 39, 40. He says, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. He's speaking about what was called the, the law. He says, you, you, you search the scriptures, you think you have in them or is eternal life. But he says, these are the things which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. Because see, coming to Jesus, there's the spirit of Jesus is an active relationship with him that can only happen through the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's a lot of people, and I've seen them. So what he's saying here is you can be a Bible whiz. You can know the, the scriptures from cover to cover. You can quote it, uh, but still be far from following God. And, and I've seen this time and time again over the course of my life where people who were, I mean, they could quote scriptures. They could, you know, they could... Uh, uh, even great portions of it, they knew the Bible from cover to cover. They were so pure and so good. And then they're out doing things that they shouldn't be uh, doing. And, and, uh, and they're far from following God. And we've seen it in the news again this week as, a, as another big time Christian leader, college uh, you know, president goes down as the truth of their real self is exposed. So it's not how much 
you know about the scripture. It's what you do with it. And, you know, when it comes to leaders that have fallen, you know, may God redeem and heal and restore them. So how do we move towards this perfectness that the, that the Father lives in and walks in? And, and, and the word perfect, perf, you know, be perfect is, a word, is the word for maturity, for a completeness. And I believe the Father lives in a place of, and walks in a place of wisdom, emotional strength, humility, and integrity. And those are the things that elevate us to a, a new level. So we need to believe, you know, if God wants us to move into that maturity, that place of wisdom, emotional strength, humility, and integrity. And Jesus encourages us here to evaluate and take our thoughts to a higher level. And, and folks, what I believe is the key here is what Jesus was talking about. He was comparing action with thought. And he was saying the action is one thing, but the thoughts are what t- will take these, these commandments to a place of life and, and, and ability to, to impact your world in a, in a powerful way. And so in all of his evaluations of it throughout this portion of Scripture, he moves their thinking from action to the thought, okay, to the thought before the action. And what he's saying is if you get control of your thought life, and you will move towards perfection or maturity. So how do we, how do we take our thoughts to that, that higher place? Well, first of all, listen, when you, to take our thoughts, for me to take my thoughts, for you to go to a higher place, it begins with the heart. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.23 that you, that you need to put a guard on your heart because out of it the, uh, springs all of the life, okay? Life just springs out of it. And when Jesus said, if you're angry with your brother, you have, done, you have committed the, the act of murder in your heart. He said, you know, the truth is to the ancients, uh, when you slandered somebody... When you spoke ill of another or damaged their character or integrity in the eyes of others by, by speaking ill will or, or saying things about them, in, in essence, what you were doing is assassinating their character. And it was actually considered murder, murder from the heart. And all of these things begin in the heart. And that's why we have to guard our heart. I mean, the truth is, you can be smiling at someone on the outside, but inside you could be just full of, of uh, something different towards them and wish they were gone or, or rid of, right? You know, the truth is, if you're, a, if, you know, Jesus is saying, if you, if you look at a, a man or a woman and imagine yourself with that person in a, in a sexual encounter, your thoughts and condemn you. You, you, have, you have violated the, the word of God and you've committed the act in your heart. It's as if you committed adultery. So you're guilty. But all these things start in the heart. Look at Matthew chapter 15, verses 18 through 20. It says, from out of the heart come evil thoughts. Okay, evil thoughts. And here, then he begins to list the evil thoughts Thoughts of murder, thoughts of adultery, thoughts of sexual immorality, thoughts of theft, thoughts of false testimony and slander. I mean, these are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. So it all begins with a thought. 
So what are the evil thoughts? <clears throat> the evil thoughts are murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. I challenge you, go back to Exodus 20 and see how many of these are in the Ten Commandments. And where do all these things start? They start in the heart with evil thoughts, okay? They begin with the thoughts of the heart. So you guard your heart from these type of thoughts. And, and you'll find yourself moving to a higher place. And truth of, the truth is, just because you're not carrying any of these things in secret, and uh, the weight of those secrets will, will, will you'll, you know, you quit carrying them on your shoulder. And, you know, the truth is you might be sick and tired of what a politician is doing or what your boss is doing or what people at your work are doing or what they say and how they say it. And you can be so fed up that emotions begin to stir up some thoughts towards them that are not so good. Be on guard. Be careful. Guard yourself. Don't go down that path. Amen? That's the call that God has for us and that we got to pay attention to. Secondly, I think it's important that we remember that we need to take some prisoners, okay? Now, I don't, I don't mean people here. I mean thoughts, okay? Don't allow emotions to create thoughts. But the truth is, sometimes they just do. Come on, let's just be honest, all right? You can have an emotion, an anger, or whatever it is that rises up inside of you, a, a fear, a worry, and it creates a thought, but the truth is, a thought that, you know, you can take, you can do something about those thoughts. There's a place where you can put them and get control of them right away that will keep you from sinking into a dark place. Listen to 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5, and, and uh, here's what it says. The weapons we use in our fight are not the world's, world's weapons, but God's powerful weapons, which we use to destroy strongholds. We destroy false arguments. We pull down every proud obstacle that is raised against the knowledge of God. We take every thought captive and make it obey Christ. I love that. And uh, see, now everyone has, the truth is everyone has thoughts that flow through your head. And, and many of those thoughts are sown by the enemy. And I want to help you with this. Because many of the thoughts that wander through your, uh, through your mind, they're actually being sown and, and, and spoken by the devil. Who's trying to set you up. and to, He wants to trip you up. And you may think that they're your thoughts. But the devil is a great impersonator. And he'll, he'll, he'll make it sound just like you. You'll think in a thought and you'll think it's your thought, but it'll be actually the devil that, that is trying to uh, get an opportunity to build a stronghold in your mind, right? A stronghold, the thing that we want to destroy. And, and here's what he'd love to do. The enemy would love to tre trespass in your uh, in your mind, okay, in your thought life, and set up a camp and build a fortress. But listen, you have to understand, before he gets a chance to start bringing in his, 
his, uh, his supplies and, and before he gets a chance to assemble, uh, you know, begin assembling his foothold, you have to recognize that the thought you just thought just didn't come from you. Here's why. Because when you became a Christian, your God-filled heart was transformed. Now, it's not transformed perfectly, but it didn't produce. Listen, your God-filled heart wouldn't produce something like that anymore. I mean, it might occasionally, something might come out that's not, not totally transformed, but listen, the effect of sin when Jesus came into your heart ended. So your heart started producing a new stream of pure life and life-giving thoughts. So don't let the devil drop evil thoughts back into your mind. Go after them. When they, when they drop into your mind, you just need to say out loud, hey, that isn't my thought, devil. Get out of here, Satan. That, I'm not going to think that thought. Recognize them. See, that's what you have to do. Take them captive. Throw them out. And it, it'll take a while for you to know, but uh, to, to uh, you know, after a while, the enemy, you know, will, will, will recognize that you're, you are seeing him for what he is and that you're aware of his presence. And listen, you'll begin tearing down, destroying that stronghold. But listen, you keep nurturing a thought of anger. You keep nurturing a thought of lust. You keep nurturing a thought of fear, nurturing a thought of worry. And there, with those thoughts, I'm telling you, the enemy, will one board at a time, will be establishing a stronghold in your life. And he'll camouflage it so you won't recognize that it's there. That's why I'm, I'm here, to just kind of remind you, wait a second, wake up, let's, let's take a look again, let's, let's you know, find where those things have been camouflaged in our, in our mind and, and get our minds renewed. Ask God to reveal to you where you've allowed a thought stronghold to be built and then go after it, take it prisoner, expose it and renew your mind with the word of God. You can do it. And Jesus says, listen, you want to go higher? Get control of those thought lives. Guard your heart. You know, take those negative or those enemy thoughts prisoners. And then finally, and I really hope you get this, in order for us to, to just move into our thoughts into the place that takes us higher, we need to generate power thoughts through love. Philippians 4.8 gives us a great um, a list of them. It says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Isn't that great? Fix your thoughts on what is true. Think about those things. Think about what's honorable. Think about what's right. Think about what's pure Think about what's lovely and think about the things that are admirable. If they're excellent, worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on those things. And every person, listen to me, every person that is hearing this right now should realize you have the ability to begin generating thoughts that will bring life. I love the way Jesus brings this chapter to close with encouragements to live higher. He, he wants us to make strong commitments, to give beyond what is asked, to serve beyond what is needed, 
to love beyond what is natural and expected. And the only way that we'll do that, the only way that we'll be able to do that is by generating thoughts and speaking them out in daily confessions. And here's what you have to do. You have to start your day with great confessions to train your thoughts and get control of your thoughts. And I want to encourage you to write out a list of confessions that you can begin your day with. Go back to this portion of Scripture in Matthew 5, 17 through 48. Reread it. Let God stir you in your reading. Write what he says down and makes a list of some good confessions. Confessions like this one. I started writing some. Like this, I will love more, I will love more than people in my world expect to be loved. I will surprise people with my love. I will give more than people expect to receive. People will be surprised by my generosity. I will give my word and never change my mind, even if it causes me difficulty. People will be surprised at how committed I am. I will never give my spouse a reason to doubt my love and faithfulness. My spouse will be surprised and blessed by my devotion. I'll not let the enemy use any circumstances to, in my life, to lose my temper or turn my, or turn my mouth into a fountain of cursing. People will be surprised by my calmness in difficult moments and with difficult people. Come on, folks, I could go on and on and on. In fact, if you got my phone right now, you can go on the Bible app and hit the more area. And there's a list for, uh, it says prayer list. And in that, there's a confession that you can write confession. And, and I could read your mind that I do every day. Okay? So, you know, listen, when you do this, when you make these confessions, you are generating power thoughts, and those thoughts begin to control your behaviors, your attitudes, your actions, and it lifts us higher automatically. It'll just inflate the balloons. of. It'll just lift us up. Amen? Come on. I mean, we can be held to the letter of the law through fear of consequence, or, or we can choose to go higher. We can let our minds be renewed. We can have our thoughts controlled by the Spirit of God. And we will fulfill the desire Jesus had for us to be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect. Mature in faith, having our world under the control of the power of God's Spirit in us, that's living higher, folks. That's what God calls us to. So let's go there. Guard your heart. Take some prisoners and generate some power thoughts through his love. And we're unstoppable if we do. Let's pray. Father, today, thank you for your wisdom that comes from above. I thank you for this message that Jesus gave us. He was thrilled that the disciples had this desire to go to a higher place. And so he downloaded so much truth and his best stuff for them. Lord, as we've looked at this portion of Scripture, and we see how important Jesus spoke of our thoughts. I pray, Father, that you would help us to guard our hearts, the place that thoughts begin. Lord, help us not to, to engage in the thoughts that the enemy sows inside of our lives, to recognize them and then take them prisoner so that no strongholds begin to be built 
And Lord, we thank you that as we speak out good confessions and generate these these great good confessions, Lord, confessions of life and power and devotion to you, Lord, I thank you that every person is going to step into a higher place of living their lives for your glory and their good. We thank you, Lord, for this time together. I pray, Father, that you would encourage each person. I pray that you would move on their hearts. Take them up, Lord. Stir their hearts for your glory. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We are located at 1415 Northeast 223rd Avenue in Fairview, Oregon. You can find us online at www.anthemfamily.org.